One thing that I wanted to share with you that I think perhaps you're not familiar with as a way of understanding the airport that is, uh, you know, quite different, uh, involves a very different sort of type of person to your Gen Z teenager, is um, are you familiar with Alan de Botton, the uh, <laughs> pop... <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Yeah. So the it's pop- like, why are you asking me? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Feels like you're going to try and find out my pin number. Yeah. Or something. <laughs> okay, right. Yeah. Is your pin number Alan de Botton? Yeah. Is your password Al? Alan de Botton, the uh, pop philosopher. For people who aren't familiar, I'm going to say that disdainfully and back myself to do it. Um, you know, he <laughs> writes quite trite stuff. I think mm-hmm. he also, if you mention him on Twitter, like several people have had this happen. They've said something vaguely sarky about Alan de Botton. And he's name searched and emailed them to say, can we talk about this? <laughs> what the fuck is that behaviour? So weird. Like, just get on with your day, mate. Um, anyway, he is a, he's a pop philosopher. He's made a lot of TV programmes for the BBC. Written a bunch of books, including including The Art of Travel, which I haven't read. But uh, sorry, I'm not going to comment on it here. But yeah, an interesting notion, certainly. I don't know if it's an interesting book. That, that there, is, there is a way of travelling that could be called an art. Uh, he, did you know this, Kasha T? He, in 2009, became the writer-in-residence at Heathrow Airport. <laughs> I'm going to take that as a no. <laughs> so, so, yeah, that's the thing that happened. Um, I remember this vaguely from the time, and I remember thinking, God, that's quite stupid. But, uh, <laughs> but, but, maybe, but maybe it's not. Maybe it's actually a really interesting idea. Maybe, like, putting a writer-in-residence in somewhere that is not, you know, the Louvre or, like, mm. you know... Uh, the British Museum is actually quite a cool and sexy bit of psychogeography. Yeah. It's a shame it's Alan de Botton doing it, but um, <laughs> but you know, but maybe that's that's actually it, you know it really it kind of fitted with the time two thousand nine of like a lot of you know Ian Sinclair books and Will Self books around mm. that are popularising mm. the idea of psychogeography. Um, we've used the word liminal, I think, twice in this mm. uh, in this podcast so far, which we get to three, we get we now get uh, you know I get my psychogeography bro kind of check card filled out that didn't make a lot of sense did it but but you know it's, but i enjoyed it it's, you enjoyed it anyway I enjoyed it it's as like a kind of metaphor psychogeography yeah. bro bingo yeah. involves the word liminal very heavily yeah. and yeah. sort of uh, edgelands is the other one that was a great yeah. actually a great book called edgelands places that are in between places that's what yeah. we mean by liminal spaces right uh, and maybe this is a really interesting way of tackling it at the time i didn't pay a lot of attention because it was alan de Botton, right mm. So I've been looking it up in advance of this episode because I wanted to try and work out exactly what the hell happened there. And yeah, what, you what know, it what... means. Does it mean that he could never leave? Like, is he yeah, trapped yeah. in Heathrow Airport for the whole duration? Or A bit, a bit like that that film with Tom Hanks in it, yeah. Where, he, where he's sort of... No, I think he, he was free to go as he pleased. But, okay. uh, but it, what it turned out that I didn't realise before was that this writer-in-residence thing wasn't just like some brilliant creative psychogeography idea he had. It was a suggestion made by BAA, the British Aviation Authority, okay. who run all of our airports yeah. as promotional material. <laughs> so they then produced a book. He produced a book based on his findings of spending a long period in an airport, which they oh, then they gave this. away 10,000 copies to cost to like <laughs> flyers. So they had they forced Alan de Botton's shit middle brow philosophy. It's like that on fucking travelers. YouTube album that's yeah, yes. downloaded on everyone's phone, and that's... everyone's like, "I don't want this," and they're like, "You will read Alan de Botton. <laughs> I just want to go to the Canary Islands." No, <laughs> no, you'll read Alan de Botton on the flight, <laughs> and you'll enjoy it. <laughs> just crying, <laughs> Mum, I don't want Alan de Botton. <laughs> 
everyone on the plane with their coffees out. No, no, out. Jeremy. <laughs> oh, a little British baby Jeremy. <laughs> British Aviation Authorities have said you you're could... not allowed to go on holiday. <laughs> <laughs> Until you've read Alan de Botton's thoughts on the meaning of the liminal space. Oh, my God, uh, that's so funny. <laughs> so his goal, right, his goal, if I could just pull myself together, was to... Uh, he oh, was. Sorry. He said at the time that he wanted to try and find like the poetry and the mundanity of the experience, yeah. right? Like very American beauty type bullshit. He's the, he's the like, man to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's a man for whom mundanity is really the meat and drink. I'm sure. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, so oh he God. in an interview with the Guardian before this project <laughs> launched, he was sort of. Because it was PR. It was just PR. It turned out, which I had not realised at the time, which means it was quite effective PR. Mm. If I if I was like, oh, Ellen de Bosson's doing stuff about airports, how interesting, mm. without even realising that it was fucking PR, paid for by the BAA to promote airports and make them seem like less, less miserable places, mm. basically. Well, they um, are cultural spaces, aren't they? No, they, they are. Yeah. I mean, look, they're interesting enough for us to do an episode of Cursed Objects about, then, I, then I, I get the idea, and it's not a terrible idea at all, um, but it's quite funny to me that it was a bit of PR. Um, and anyway, in an interview beforehand... The bottom was challenged about like, you know, well, you just if you're just writing stuff about how great airports are so that people go to airports more often and they don't hate airports, mm. then what kind of writer are you? Where's your integrity? So he was he gave this quite defensive interview where he said, quote, if I see a cockroach coming out of the Carluccios here, then I should be able to write about it. BAA used to be so guarded as an organization that they have thrown open their doors to me. <laughs> So he goes, he's like, I'm free. I No one tells me what to write about airports. Um, and I found that really amusing because it's exactly what a man who has had their lunch paid for would say. Would say. Yeah, right? It's like, I have complete integrity. I will say whatever I like about this experience. About this delicious lunch yeah. that was paid for by the BAA. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he does, you know, some of the... I haven't read the book. This is a referring, recurring refrain in this episode, I'm afraid, because I'm not doing that for you listeners. I love you a lot, but not no, I'm not going that far. Um, but he do, I do know from reading some reviews of the book, uh, most of which were quite positive, so they clearly did the mm. job for, for, you know, helping promote Heathrow and Gatwick and all the other British airports. He does this sort of... Slightly kind of odd boosterism for airports where he's like, you know, these are these are such fascinating, you know, sort of wonderful, joyful places People, because people are going on holiday and being reunited with their relatives, I guess. And he says at one point, this is a place where people literally come to camp outside and watch. You know, that's how exciting they are. And what he's referring to is plane spotters. And the point <laughs> I want to make as a, to rebut that is that Plane spotters are there to see the planes, mate. You know, the mm. miracle of flight mm. and that horrible airless building. Yeah. They are not the same thing. Like, mm. you know, plane spotters, I mean, that's a whole other episode, really. But, like, their passion is for the remarkable thing that is yeah. air travel. Yeah, yeah. Nobody's there to see the fucking airport, <laughs> Alan. Yeah, I hate, I hate <laughs> to say this about de Botton. I hate to speak ill of de Botton, but I think he's conflated the two in a in an unhelpful way. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I'm glad we've slapped him down in a in a sort of reasoned and intelligent academic way. When, when was this? When did this happen? Because it strikes me as like reminiscent of an era that feels quite far away now. It kind of feels yeah. part of this kind of, I don't know, I, dare I say kind of like more early 2000s-ish kind of like, I guess kind of like boom in, in leisure and culture attached mm. to airports. 
And I find it quite hard now to know where we sit, where we're at with those, because I've been in quite a lot of airports. Have you ever been to JFK Airport? Yeah. It's so shit. It's the worst fucking airport I've ever been to. It's like, you can get nothing. Everything's fucked. You're like, this is so bad. Like, Luton Airport, actually, secretly my favourite airport. In really? Wow. Yeah, I love, I love Luton Airport. Such a catch me, London, yeah, yeah, catch me in Luton Airport whenever you want. Like, I'm a big fan. <laughs> Come say hi. Yeah. I'll be in spoons. <laughs> They don't actually have a spoons, which is a downside. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's really trash. Um, but anyway, I digress. It feels like really reminiscent of this idea of like, let's make these places like spaces of possibility. <laughs> and I don't know. I'm also kind of like coming back to, I've been thinking a lot recently about like automation and AI. Okay. There's lots of stuff happening at the moment about airports. Like how do you improve the visitor experience of airports? Mm -hmm. So presumably, well, there's this idea that you'd be able to look up at a board up at the, you know, the boards with all of departure the boards. departure boards yeah. and it would be able to read your face biometrics what? and actually tell you when your flight is going. That's, I know, terrifying. But what if there's 10 people standing in front of it? Yeah. I, They've thought of that. They'll, they'll, they're, they're, they're working yeah, yeah. on it. They're working on it, yeah. <laughs> but also there's this idea that people who actually work in the airports will be made out of, like, put out of jobs because... Mm. Like increasingly now, like the rules around like the liquid rule, which is a fucking ridiculous rule anyway. Aren't they're they getting, getting rid, rid of it. it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so we can put things in our shoes again now. <laughs> was that a shoe bomber thing? That was a shoe bomber thing. Yeah. I, when I was in Cancun Airport, also one of the worst airports I've ever been to for many reasons. It had a fucking Guy Fieri. You know the guy from oh, yeah. Diners Driving and Dives, a restaurant from him. Oh, like Jamie's His, Italian. Jamie's but American, Italian, yeah. but American. In, oh my but god. But in Mexico. But in Mexico, yeah, yeah. It was so bonkers. Like the whole thing was so so, so bonkers. I, I can tell you because you did ask a question back there. It's yeah. two thousand and nine was when ah. was when this this mad writer in residence at Heathrow project came about. Which does it's not early two thousands, but I, I'm really glad you brought up the timeline because I hadn't really thought about that. And you're right. That is a two thousand nine is a unique moment. It's. Mm. Okay, it's just after the GFC, the global financial crisis. Um, I'm not sure. I wonder if that's relevant or not. It's certainly at the end of a decade where cheap flight, the cheap flight boom has happened. Yeah. It is also at the end of a decade where the war on terror has been going on. Yeah. And airports have become less pleasant places, even if you have white privilege, mm. because you're queuing for longer. Mm. Never mind if you're a person of colour, particularly a Muslim man. Um, mm. Then, you know, your your experience of being in an airport will be more aggressive searching, uh, longer queues, a general kind of heightened atmosphere of tension. Mm. Um, and so as a and and also just a mass expansion of the number of people flying. I mean, I suppose one thing we haven't touched on is how, what cheap flights has meant in terms of the affordability of, of mm. travel, of air travel. And, you know, one of the one of the kind of air industry, airline industry Reposts to kind of critiques of air travel in terms of the hideous kind of carbon footprint of it and the unnecessariness of a lot of air, air travel is to invoke a class thing and say, oh, you just want to travel to be elite again. You want it to be like the 19th century 